and welcome to Q&A Quest 30? Yeah, yeah 30. 30. I think we just recorded 29. Yeah, yeah it's kind of sad. 29. It's kind of sad that our wonderful guest knows this much better than I do. Uh, Wheels will be on shortly, but as you can tell by my dulcet tones, I'm Fanboy Master. And as you can tell by the fact that he just chimed in, we've got our probably most popular recurring guest. Oh, really? Oh, well, thank you. You're always the one that, like, whenever someone has a question that's like, oh, you should get someone on to say it, it's always, oh, bring Gaijin on. <laughs> well, glad to come back after... When was the last time I was on this? January? Uh, something like that. It's been a while. Too long. About six months yet. But, uh... Yeah, I need to actually pull up the questions. I understand you had a few things that you wanted to bring up, so... Well, like I said, I spent, like two and a half hours this morning listening to the previous Q&A podcast, so I was having I'm fun. I'm so um, sorry. <laughs> I was like, man, I really wish I could have been in last week because I had so many things I could chime in on. It's like <laughs> You always example, do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, topic of localization in reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever play Magi Nation? Uh, I saw it, but I never had the opportunity to play it. Did you know that there was a Japanese port for the Game Boy Advance? No, nope, didn't. <laughs> Reviewed it a couple of years ago, and um, it was a pretty blah <laughs> translation that was okay, but they mm. did stuff to the graphics to upgrade, and they kept all of the character sprites at the kind of the double size that the original game uses, mm. but they mm. reformatted all of, the, all of the scenery to more normal JRPG proportions, which means that none of the characters mm. were proportionate to their own furniture. That's that's like one of those things where it's like were were the different art teams just not told about what was going on. That's confusing. Yeah, and um, I actually got to mention a true localization problem in the review about how um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason all of the lists in the game, like item list or special um, crystal lists for making monsters, and then the monster lists themselves. Mm-hmm. Are all listed alphabetically, <laughs> according to English, according to the original English names. Yeah. <laughs> Which, granted, for a lot of these, well. it's, um, they just changed the English name into Katakana to make it. However, this means that none of it matches any form of alpha, of pseudo alphabetic order in Japanese. Yeah, like there is like an order that the kana are usually like put in. At least when, like when I was trying to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but and like also since um, hard C and K are written the same way in Japanese. Oh no! (laughs) You would end up with, um, you would end up with, up towards the start, names written out in katakana like ka, and then yeah, like halfway down you'd end up with the same katakana. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's back, but it's K now. Yes, um, and uh, I think there might have been a Q as well. Oh, so the same problem, two thirds of the way down. And that's, the only good that's... thing is that, um, for whatever reason, the actually I think the healing item series in this game was specifically named so it would always be at the top of the list alphabetically. Uh... so I never had problems finding the healing items. That's something, at least. There's some virtue yep. there. Yep. 
that's think, that's one of those things that's like that's even worse because it was probably like it was by all rights it was probably made for children. <laughs> yep. They didn't. They, they could have done better with managing some of the uh, adapting some of the original card game rules to an actual video game. But that's yeah. A issue. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was. Yeah, I have not played many games translated from English to Japanese because I usually try just try to play the English version instead. Yeah, there would usually there wouldn't be much reason to if you yeah. already knew English. Yeah, and of course there was that fun time. Um, I bought a copy of Dragon's Dogma. Actually, no, I got it from a Lucky Bag pick, mm-hmm. and after selling off everything else that I had gotten from these Lucky Bags except that game, I actually came up five hundred yen in the in the black. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I'll just play this. Um, I'm not going to sell it back. Yet. I'm just going to play it, and it turns out the thing reads your PlayStation 3's language settings, and already and has just runs those. On it. Hmm. So well, at least you got it for negative five dollars. Yeah, negative five dollars in a game in English, which is why I had the second review on the site for that game. Nice. Yeah. I always intended to get back to Dragon's Dogma, and then just never got around to it. I feel kind of bad about that. Yeah, it was really cool. Still couldn't figure out why they yeah, decided always... to put a, this crazy J-Rock theme song in the front of it. But... I don't know. Just try and sell it wherever with whatever you got. I don't know. <laughs> See, it's the only thing I can think of. Yep. <sighs> and then, uh, for fun localization the other way, Japanese to English, have you ever played Metal mm-hmm. Saga? Yeah, yeah, I played the PS2 one, but <laughs> I think that's yeah, the I only translation. It's, it's kind of bleh. And it is honestly, yeah. I think it's the second worst game in the franchise after the original the Emicom game. Um, but yeah. the the guys at Atlas had some real fun translating some of the names because the English names for a lot of the big monsters are a lot more interesting than the Japanese ones. <laughs> like there was this one monster called uh, Swine, which I I just laughed out loud when I saw that one on the English FAQ list because it was a very much, not nearly as interesting in Japanese. It's just a name. Yeah. And then they had to change uh, Saint Muscle to Father Muscle, the the leader of the bodybuilding cult. <laughs> but they changed uh, a lot of his they changed a lot of his dialogue from stuff like, oh God, da, 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 just very generic um, Christian stuff in Japanese writing. Yeah. To all praise be to St. Arnold and the Blessed Turboflex. Stuff like that. <laughs> That's the only reason why I Someone want to play just... this game in English. <laughs> someone, just, uh, someone just decided to make a cargo cult around a Bowflex, and then the game decided that that's where it was going to be. Oh, actually, um, well, the muscle series of bosses in, in Metal Max and Metal Saga yeah. are always these... I mean, they're all near identical, even the one who's a woman... Um, these near-identical super bodybuilder types who are usually associated with a medical research company called the Muteki Corporation. <laughs> so the first one is just this random super bodybuilder guy named Mr. Muscle who lives in the Muteki Hospital in Metal in the original Metal hmm. Max. The second yeah. one is Adam Muscle, Metal Max 2, and she she has control of this facility that can produce these super um, this kind of a super opiate drug that's in high demand mm-hmm. for the area for dealing with monster injuries yeah. but she's cut off the supply and 
her base also has, for some reason, cloning facilities. So she has cloned okay, herself then. an army of an army of Amazonian ninja esthetician clones. Wow. Yes. I... <laughs> it's it's and criminal. And then there's but... who has his own cathedral, his own religion based around the perfection of bodybuilding and machinery down in the basement that will forcibly convert you into a brainless bodybuilder <laughs> follower. <laughs> That's that is one of the that is one of the um, optional endings for the game is that you get turned into a bodybuilder and brainwashed into being his disciple forever and ever. It's absolutely criminal that there is only one of these translated. Yeah. And then the second Metal Saga game, the one that's actually um, made by the same guys as, or completely by the Season same of group Steel? Metal Saga, the DS game, first DS game, instead of having a muscle guy, they had this guy named Cho Super Tanaka, who is basically, mm -hmm. I mean, he's also connected to Muteki Corp, and he is this overweight salary man with a bad comb over with some Marvel Comics style exoskeleton super drug feed stuff planted on him. But otherwise, he follows sure, the same why not? Man, you have to run around and try and catch him. Yep. Good times. Yep. Uh. So it just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And linking into one of the other topics from last week crazy items and RPGs. Yeah. yeah. Metal Max has a fair share of really insane stuff under just under weaponry. But mm. uh, in Metal Max 4, there are these locked boxes scattered throughout the game with secret or lost passwords associated with them. And most mm. of the lost passwords you had to get from magazines at the time for advertising. But they're all available online now, thank you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and so they've got stuff like... Um, I mean, a lot... Several of these items are directly connected to the magazines that were um, that gave the code, um, like thematically, hmm. but still just like regular yeah. helmet yeah. type or regular gun type or special artillery. But one of these boxes has super mushrooms. <laughs> which are uh, three guesses what they do. I think I see where this is going. Oh, oh! I want to, I want to see what you think. I want to hear what you think. Like when I hear Super Mushroom, I just think, oh, a Nintendo console, Super Mushroom. Like this has to be like, you know, get huge. Yes. So, uh, starting from the the first DS game on, all of the monsters are done in this kind of three D rendering that lets you zoom them up or down in size. So you can have, like, super-sized versions of the same monster. And some mm -hmm. of the amoeboid monsters will start out huge and will get progressively smaller the more you hit them. But for Metal Max 4, they also did the playable characters in the 3D type. And so mm -hmm. they decided, hey, why not? One of these lost password boxes has 30 super... Actually, no, not different boxes. 10 super mushrooms. And if you <laughs> use it on one of your allies... They suddenly grow 20 feet tall <laughs> with with an accompanying increase in stats temporarily. Uh, I just don't feel like fighting this boss. Oh, no, even better. I found this out the hard way, but there's a different item that 
when translated would be something like ultra grow plant fertilizer. In retrospect, it was a bad idea to use that on the giant queen space carrot boss. Oh no. She was, she was big enough as it was. And I thought, oh, she can't get any bigger. She got much bigger. She would not fit in. She would not <laughs> they fit saw, the they, they saw what you were going to try. Yes. Um, so, yes, that, that was a forced reset right, right there. And, and try it again. But yeah, again, I was going to say, I assume you were summarily wiped. Yes. But, I mean, as I said, giant space carrot queen... Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so some of the some of the people in the forums were really enjoying my posts about this game on the "What are you playing?" Um, thread, because it'd be stuff like, "Okay, I just had a random teleporter um, accident." Okay, in these games, this usually just takes me to wherever I can find the the revival item, which I already found, so I don't know where it's going this time. Oh, it's a, some sort of secret base. Okay, got the computers on, everything's working. Oh, it's a space elevator zoom up. Oh, I'm in the space station. There are space zombies. I get rid of them. Yeah. I, I'm helping the, the survivors on the space station. What's next? Giant man-eating carrots. <laughs> and this is not It even... was the only logical step up from zombies. Oh, no. I mean, after, I mean the third scenario is um, giant space bees. Uh, this is the second scenario. <laughs> And the thing is, none of this is connected to the actual plot of the game. This is, I mean, if, if we were playing a Fallout, this would be in the DLC section. And I just randomly find it in I this just, game. Uh, I mean, there is, I mean, seriously, I, zero connection to the main plot or the final boss or anything. It's just there. You hurt me every time you expound on these games because I'm so sad we will never get any of them. Yeah, um, let's see. I gave this one, what, a 4.5? I believe I did. There's a good reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need to check prices on Metal Max 4 now. Yeah. Oh, and Metal Max, um, be sure to check out the DS games, too. I mean, Metal Saga DS wasn't the best, but it was still pretty good, except for the DS controls. But... Mm -hmm. Metal Max 3 and Metal Max 2 Reloaded are also really good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're all equally bizarre in their own way. Again, um... Yeah, they've all got madness to find within. Yeah. So, um, like, Metal Max 4 has a redux version of a Metal Saga boss called the Marduk. It's this mm -hmm. giant weapons platform. And one of the things that you can mm -hmm. get as a random drop-off of it is a 20-foot-long railgun. <laughs> the thing weighs 99 tons. It's Seems got a, reasonable. Yeah, it's got a huge... Um, a huge... Um, weapons capacity... or magazine capacity. So you don't even have to worry about reloading it anytime soon. Um, but the problem is, is that any... no matter how strong your engines are, you're probably not going to be able to put... Um, to move if you put it on a an active vehicle. So, but there are a couple big bosses that will wander around and will engage you as soon as they come into range. Uh. So, so it's possible to take like your lightest possible vehicle, which is a, mo a 
police woman's motor motor scooter, <laughs> um, strip it down of almost everything else, maximize the number of of armor tiles on it, park it right in right near where this other monster is going to be coming by, and just load the cannon onto it. <laughs> you can't move, but suddenly you've got a howitzer from hell. Which is you don't needed. need to move. Well, actually, this particular boss can only be hit by long-range attacks because it's actually a biomechanical aircraft carrier from which all of the bomb-dropping booby birds in the area launch. I don't I don't think there's a thing I can add to that statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yes. I'm lost. <laughs> but yeah, oh yeah, I gave Middle Mix 3 and 4 a 4.5. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, how, how has no one picked this up? Come on, XSeed, I believe in you. I mean, the problems could just I mean really could be on the developer's end. I mean, um, yeah, probably. I mean, I have heard from certain sources who should not be named that one of the bigger issues with the Metabot series is not actually the, not so much the licensing rights, but the fact that Imagineer mm -hmm. is not willing to play along with giving up the necessary access to the source code needed to properly localize it. Uh, so they won't do it themselves. Then they don't want to give it anyone else to do. Yeah. Yeah, that'll happen. So th this is one of the se one of several things I learned while researching and reviewing the um, Metabots DS. Speaking of which, I need to get around mm -hmm. to viewing Metabots Navi sometime soon. I've got like half the review written. Oh, that's good. Look forward to it. <laughs> that that was the tactical RPG spinoff. Hmm. How'd that fare? I guess I probably should wait for the review, uh, but... Um... It could have gone better. Uh... About, about uh 14, that's, that's a very... Battles, about 14 or 15 battles before the end, your ability to do random fights is cut out. Oh. Which, can you see how this might I hope be... you got everything you need... Oh yeah. Um, well, thankfully, um, characters that you station at different spots for defense against the Robo Gang will gain experience. However, you oh, have six characters. You have six characters and five AI-controlled drones that cannot be stationed, uh, and you can only have five <sighs> members in a battle. So you will have several guys who are under level. Just have to throw them out. Yep. <sighs> and one of them is technically uh... your chief rival, so he should have a pretty good robot. His upgraded robot is not nearly as good as some of the others. So. It even they even mentioned this on some of the Japanese sites. It's like, yeah, his sucks. Don't bother. He wanted to be a rival. He he was a rival in spirit, not so much in practice. Yeah. No, but even even worse, his upgraded one is worse than his original. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. But yeah, and and for for importers, the part of the problem is that this game does use quite a bit of kanji. Oh. It uses some of the complicated ones that do not compress well. 
and all of the messages in battle flash by so fast that it may take you four or five times to figure out what one message means. Ugh. And if that one message <laughs> happens good. to be um, critical hit, you are screwed. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, I'm used to seeing the word critical in Japanese, but usually I see it spelled out in katakana. Oh, it is. I mean, that one is. I mean, oh, okay. Okay, that, that, okay, that that's one of the more common ones that you will see, and it's pretty easy to figure out. It's some of the others, like um, they added some extra skills to the Metabot skill set to allow for tactical combat. So some mm -hmm. enemies have skills that will not let you come within two spaces of that target. Or, conversely, they will have skills that will either draw you in or not let you get more than two spaces away from the target. And this is already a game that has issues with movement cost. Uh, because very often the balance between movement cost and attack cost and your actual number of action points is, has not been very well thought out. And often it is not possible to move and attack at the same time. While all of uh, the enemies are getting at least 10 AP more than you are. <laughs> and sometimes, uh, for, for no apparent reason, your AP may actually taper off towards the end of the battle, where you're suddenly getting five points less than you should. <laughs> this is even before we get into some of the bosses that have level-down mechanics. Oh, oh, that's like my most hated thing in any RPG. No, no, don't let... <laughs> oh, not, not permanent level-down mechanics. This is not like... I know. Hackers. Soul Hackers is really annoying in the last few levels with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Succubus, Incubus, and Loki. Ugh, run away as soon as you find them. I sometimes think about crazy. playing Soul Hackers again, and it's just like, no. <laughs> hey, I played it on two different consoles. Had a good time with the Saturn version? Uh, no, PlayStation version. Hey, I, was, uh, I, I actually version, restarted basically. the PlayStation version and was almost to the end of the first disc when the 3DS version was announced. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to stop this now, and I'll wait for the 3DS. You know, some of us only got to play that on one system. And you got the better version. That's true. Yeah, no, it's like we don't really get to complain because Soul Hackers is kind of a mean game. So, I mean, <laughs> anything to make it going in, it's just that you got the version that allows you to quote-unquote, hack the system and turn down the difficulty. In one way hack or another. Hack the planet. Yeah. Or lets you use extreme chaotic and extreme lawful units in the same party. Uh, uh, that, like, I remember reading about that system and just saying, thinking, like, I could not deal with this. <laughs> Actually, I mean, it's not that bad. It's a, it's a pretty normal, um, yeah, older yeah. style Shinji Sensei. Um, tensei, not Sensei. Uh, an older <laughs> Megaten game, but it's... You can see a lot mm. of the stuff that ended up in the later Mega Ten games as improvements, starting right there. So. Yeah, like that's the era where like Mega Ten spinoffs start getting friendly enough that a sane person can play them. Yeah, but I mean, also still... the Devil Summoner games. Were, I mean, part of the series reboot for that section was that they were far more linear, far less focused on actually influence chaos versus law 
mm-hmm. they were I mean they were very much more noir type. Yeah, I always liked the mood that uh, the original Devil Summoner and Soul Hackers set. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Soul the Hackers also has Summoner, like. Oh. Well, in the original right. Devil Summoner, your character wakes up kind of confused because he has just tr- spiritually transmigrated into the body of a demon detective. Yeah, like I re- remember reading like the premise of Devil Summoner and thinking like that would be a really interesting like that would be a plot I would want to go- play through. But also, I've heard that the game is indescribable frustrating in a lot of places. Um, well, it's in the same generation as the original Persona. Yeah, an original Persona. Like, I remember playing original Persona when it was new and getting completely lost on its completely terrible world map. <laughs> oh, I, I never had problems with the world map or with the town map. It was... I just got tired of some of the dungeons about two-thirds of the way through. Yeah, no, it's got a lot of Honestly, long... Honestly, I, I, since like, I was playing the... it on the... Since I was playing the Japanese version, I should have just gone with the Snow Queen's quest just to see what it was like. Like Snow Queen's got fewer dungeons; it's overall a shorter quest, but I think the dungeons are correspondingly harder. Um, it's it's almost. I mean, it's like somebody took the core idea from Shin Megami Tensei If, which I did almost finish, mm-hmm. and just reworked it because it's almost exactly the same. Um, only a handful yeah. of dungeons are a bit more complicated. And if my Super Famicom cartridge had not lost battery life during the oh. last dungeon. <laughs> that hurts to hear. Yeah. Especially right, I mean, it was in the, actually, which one? It was in the dungeon. So that, that was, uh, which, depending on which secondary character you chose, that was either the second to last or third to last dungeon. And I had just gotten through the Sloth dungeon, which oh. progress in that dungeon is based on the number of times you go through a full moon phase while inside the dungeon. It yeah, takes... I know Sloth by reputation. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while, but at least by the end of it, you will be mopping the floor with everything in the level. And a lot of monsters in the area drop gemstones, which you can use to fuse into new monsters. So you can work the system a little bit. It's just, that's also, at the very beginning, on the first floor of that level, is the first, I think it's the first place where you run into Zombie-chan. Everyone's favorite. Well, whichever level it is, Zombie-chans were really annoying. The the schoolgirl zombies with the charm attack Mm -hmm. that you couldn't defend against when you first run into it. Yeah, charm's everyone's favorite status effects. Even better when I was playing on... Um, automatic battle for quite a while at the start, and then suddenly it's like I died. How did I die? What What is that weird flashing kind of checkered neon checkered special effect? Try again. Check. They have a charm spell. Oh crap! Yeah. So, at least in that game, you didn't actually have a game over when you died. So, that was good. Uh, uh, you incarnate with a different spirit guide, very similar to Persona, actually. No, I think yeah, actually uh, I, I seem to recall hearing, like, you know, I know, I know if by reputation, that, like, the longer you take to, like, the lo- longer time you take between dying, the better the, like, spirit guardian you get when you well, die is. The way it worked out is that there was kind of a, there was a 
I wouldn't call it an affection level, but kind of a synchronization level between you and your current um, guide that went up the longer you fought. And the higher that bar was when you die, the better the next one will be. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Also, hey, I'm back. Hi. Yeah, we noticed. <laughs> Just rolled in. I hate you. Um, okay, so do we have any actual questions? We do have some actual questions, and actually, uh, Low Whoops sent us a bunch, but I think not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, he lately he's been surpassed by a Mr. Budai. Uh, but I think we had one on the forums. But I'm gonna grab a low whoops question while I look for that. Uh, <laughs> let's see, what would be a good one while we have you on. What are some of the best anime to RPG adaptations? Bar hmm. none, Kororo Gunso, the Sergeant Frog RPG. Tales of Kororo. Yes. Because that one is actually made by the Tales studio. <laughs> and they had a ton of fun doing it, you can tell. Nice. It's the and only non-Tales game that that studio has ever been credited as making. Yes. And it... I mean, all things considered, um, it's got some really hilarious writing. Hmm. I mean, at one point, for example, earlier in the game, when you visit the Ninja Village, you can examine the well... And Kairou says, oh, it's kind of dark down there. And then, ah, and he falls in. And the narrator says, or the narrator fades it to black and says, unfortunately, they all died. Da, 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 da. And then Kairou's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm just down here. I just fell. Ah! And they end up in an argument. <laughs> Things like this. The narrator um, needs to, like, learn if he's going to start narrating. <laughs> oh, no. He, um, the narrator and Kairou get into arguments regularly. That's good. In this game. And, um... <laughs> And since since Kararo and everybody else is from outside the game world and they know that they're in a game, they um, it's got more meta humor in it than I've seen in most RPGs. And there is one level there's one level that seriously it it replicates parts or it um, kind of mirrors parts of some of the Indiana Jones games or you know, the games, um, movies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could tell where they were getting the inspiration for this, even though it's a Japanese-style grave, or um, tomb cave. Like, um, there was one, one floor where you could not run. You had to walk as slowly as possible to keep the floor from squeaking. <laughs> the game defaults to running. You have to hold no. down the beat button to walk. So. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that would definitely be, bar none, the best anime to RPG conversion I have ever played. Nice. Oddly enough, the second one would probably be Croquet. Hmm? Um, there was a series called Croquet, which was a ridiculously juvenile um, shounen RPG, or shounen anime series. Mm-hmm. Um, spelled C-R-O-K-E-T usually with an exclamation point after it. And mm -hmm. the the, the game adaptation of that one, which I bought for like $1.50. Um, Sweet. It was, it was worth a lot more than that. Um, I mean, for gameplay. It was a like a 35-episode season of the anime converted into a tactical game. <laughs> mm. 
Hmm. So it actually had, I mean, they had lots of random character cameos and things like that, but it also had a, a single strong plot arc based around the original characters for the game, as well as the main heroes. Hmm. That sounds nice. pretty cool. Yeah. Other than that... Um... Uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth? Man... Never, never uh, played that one, but that no, I mean, that, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be hard to do because even in the anime, the char- the main, the heroines were discussing how much like an RPG their life had turned into. <laughs> it was also made by Rieko Kodama, so. Yeah. Um. Mm, let me think. Like, not many well, of these got like like. Okay. We're trying to find good ones. That's the problem. Um, yeah. Um, Mermanoid was pretty good, but that was only very loosely based on a on an obscure 1990s anime series. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of that one. It was that, uh, so obscure that I've never found a copy of the original series, but judging from a, one plot synopsis I can find, I can tell that they're very disconnected. Hmm. Simply because... The plot synopsis, plot synopsis used masculine pronouns. <laughs> the game okay, does. Okay then. The game has one male character, and you and he does not even realize he is male for seventy-five percent of the game, <laughs> <laughs> because he has no point of reference. Could be anything. It's not really uh Instead, instead, some of the other characters start making flat-chested jokes at his expense, or at her expense, because as I mean, as far as anyone's concerned, there's only one second or one third-person pronoun in this world. So, mm-hmm. fun story. Interesting. Yeah, I've actually yeah, done some stuff on that story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've heard the One Piece 3DS RPG is decent. You would have to ask Jooms about that one because he's played a version of that. I haven't. I think he reviewed it. I know he reviewed the uh, Bleach tactical RPG. That was so see. weird that that happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bleach in general is weird. Um, yeah, see. but turning that turning like shonen fighting anime into tactical RPGs is always mildly surprising to me. Mm. So One Piece Romance Dawn reviewed by Jooms, two out of five. Okay, well, I guess it wasn't very good. Garbage. <laughs> yep. Uh, Got there will trash. be One Piece games. There will be One Piece games coming out until after all of us are dead. Statistically, one of them will probably be a decent RPG. <laughs> well, this one kind of converted the first half of the entire manga series into an RPG. That's a lot of money. Manga chapters to condense. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of those series that has a lot of. I mean, some of the arcs would take three or four volumes of the manga just because they're always cutting away to other stuff, or just they had Dragon Ball levels of fight bloat. <laughs> yeah, like this fight. This fight is going to be like crazy guy and pirate punching each other for approximately three hundred pages. <laughs> That turns into a boss fight. Yeah. See, he lists boring dungeons, poor method of telling the story, and inventory constraints, which is always negative. 
Good old oh, inventory boy. constraints. My favorite. Why would you put that in a modern RPG seemingly aimed at kids? And judging from what he's written here, they may have kind of cut out a few sections of the plot by, through severe compression. That's so weird. Which is probably still better than what happened to the, Engli the original English dub of the anime on TV in America. You weren't really excited to see, like, shovels turned into indiscriminate laser blobs? I don't know, I never actually they watched I've just heard stories about how, like, they had to cut out the bit where Luffy jams part of the, the ship's mast into the elephant's head as a form of a challenge for the future, and then that coming around to bite them on the butt later on because the pit whale's actually an important character later in the series. Yeah. I, lo I looked up, like, I'd never watched it either. I just looked up, like, some information about it. And, like, at some point, like, they they digitally altered guns in into shovels. And then later, when people were actually brandishing shovels as weapons, they turned them into weird laser blobs. That's con deeply confusing. But the other, the other and, and part was that they... Yep. Oh, they, oh. they had just, by the time they lost the license, they had shoved, they had condensed out 40 episodes. Wow. I mean, that's much easier to do with something like Naruto, where they had like a thousand episodes of filler. But not so much for one Yeah. Well, one of the things I remember, because this actually got comments on Japanese sites, was um, what's his face? One of the, the chef character, he's always smoking. Uh, and they um, added that into lollipops. Yeah, yeah. He's got a sweet tooth. It's fine. Unless he actually has to, for example, light a bomb with a lollipop. Fine, you can light a lollipop on fire and then continue eating it. Fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, anime RPGs that actually even came here. There's not like, very many. Yeah, like, well, a lot of them were relatively... Like, you know, they they were like it was an extra licensing entanglement to actually localize them. So, and they weren't generally super well liked to begin with. So, it was just not something that often came here. Here, yeah. uh, for a relatively loose one, the PS2 game MS Saga: A New Dawn is not without its merits. That's like a it's a Gundam one, but it's not based on any particular Gundam, so it's a relatively loose. Like, it's anime-based, but it's not based on a specific anime. Yeah, those are generally the only ones that come over, which is why Project Cross Zones just surprised the crap out of me when it was announced. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how in the world does this get exported? And then we got the sequel. In yeah, a simultaneous somehow. release, no less. Yes. Because it did better, because the first Project Cross Zone did better overseas. Somehow. Because it was, it was like no one in America has seen anything that insane before because they never leave Japan. Yeah, like it was completely novel for us to ha to get those at all. all. Uh, speaking, of, um, speaking of Super Robot Wars, I actually played yeah. the, this one game that came before Super Robot Wars. It was, kind of, it was, by, it was still by... Um, Van Presto, so it was like the proto version. 
It was called Battle Robot Retsuden, and it used hex grids to start hmm. with. And the art style was the battle art style was very different because you could actually um, it was the way the robots were done. They could they were walking across the field and everything. Um, just mm-hmm. the way it, it looked different, but you, you'd love the plot for this one. Oh man! So sometime in the vague space future, space future. Um, <laughs> yes, the these um, the plant um, these researchers and scientists and technicians working for planetary global defense cr- um, found a way of creating actual mecha type um, defense robots. And so um, they made these robots and put them into storage in the event that they were ever needed. And to pilot them, they created these vat-grown humans who were programmed with memories and skills to pilot these. (laughs) But because, and this is specifically mentioned, because all of these researchers, technicians, and scientists were massive anime nerds, Oh, they programmed my. all of these people, all of these um, background humans, to believe that they were from these various series. Oh my god. <laughs> and so, uh, several hundred years later, um, the global Earth government has fallen apart, the planet has kind of balkanized into four nations, north, south, east, and west, and one of these nations has gone rogue and is starting to activate all of these hidden weapons silos with the mecha in them. And the mecha pilots imprint on whoever activates them. So there are several chapters where you have two characters from the same series who are supposed to be allies facing off in a death match because their activating sides are opposed. I love just how ludicrously complicated that had to be. (laughs) And yet, and yet, it is probably the least... It's probably the most straightforward backstory of any Super Robot Wars style game I have ever seen. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean there are no, there's no interdimensional interference. There is no time travel. There is no trying to figure out how these two different mechs of completely different size scales can interact, much less fight each other. Yeah. Uh, one day, one day the world will get to. Uh... We'll get to experience the joy of watching a Votom fight a Gunbuster. Yeah. And don't even get me started on Super Robo Gakuen. Oh man, that game was a stream. Oh my... I was, I was watching the stream where they announced Super Robot Wars V. And like, ha- like, I was joking around with a friend, and one of us kept joking about the fact that like... Oh, the next thing they're going to show is just going to be Super Robo Gakuen 2. We were thankfully uh, spared that fate. Yeah, because Super Robo Gakuen is a monster collection game disguised as a Super Robot Wars game, except none of the robots can level up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's actually more of a collectible card game, and the some of the side quest battles or side quest missions are actually kind of fun. The main quest line, they, I mean, literally stack the deck against you every single time. And I just gave up at one point. It's like, I cannot figure out how to beat this boss. Review. Screw it. Yeah, well, I can't review because I never finished it. Yeah, yeah 
No, I'm gonna say like that 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 is essentially the review score you give it. I was not willing to finish this. <laughs> yep. And yet I still have um I still have Lord of Elemental on my to play pile. Oh, I am given to understand that that the uh, Maso Kishins are not so good. Yeah, but they're still they're still the original I mean original original generation games. So yeah. In fact, I, this one was before they actually had OG Saga as a as a trademarked name. Yeah, like the first the, the first Maso Kishin game they did was just a remake of the first one to make it more in line with the uh, like proper OG games now that those existed. Yeah. But, uh, oh, that. Yeah, that it makes me sad that the game. It makes me sad that those games apparently aren't very good because I do like the Maso Kishin cast. Like, I mean, you know, they're they're fun. Like, but you know, apparently the games themselves are just kind of bad. I remember hearing that like the third one is just brutally, brutally unfair for some reason. Just because. Meh. Yeah, why not? I wasn't even the one that had Coffin in its name. Coffin of the End? Yeah, Coffin. <laughs> I love that name. Coffin of the End. All of those have great hey, names. Like, all of these had great names. Like, Masokishin 2, Revelation of Evil God. Yeah. <laughs> Because this is what you get when you directly translate a Japanese se secondary title, because Japanese has yeah. a completely different naming aesthetic. Yeah, like these, like there is a certain like cultural, like both the way the language is set up and the cultural expectations around it. That doesn't like these titles don't sound ridiculous, but that's why these titles often also oh. get changed in localization. <laughs> oh, did you did you ever see like last year? I I reported on this one game. It wasn't an RPG. It just had the most ridiculous title I had ever seen. I don't think I got to hear this. Okay, let let me find this. Um, this this game's title was so long that when I first saw it on the Dengeki um, release dates page, it had broken the mm -hmm. HTML of the page. <laughs> The, game, the, the website was not designed to handle a name that took up that much space. No, oh, okay, let me find it here. This, um, let me go back to last year's archives. And um, sometime last summer... Here we go. Last, oh, last uh, May of last year. World's longest game title ever. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, let, come on, page, load up. Let's go all the way down to the bottom. Okay, so the title is Natsuhiro High School Session Hakusho Tenko Shonichi no Orega Osanana Jimmy to Saikai Shita Hodobuin ni Sarete Te Gekisha Shonen no Hibi wa Sukupu dai ren patsude igai to motte motte nanoni nazeka mai memori wa pansu shashin bakari to yu genjitsu to muki ai nagara kangairi hito natsu no shima no gakuen sekatsu to sekirara na koi no yukue. I think I, I made out about half of the words in that abomination. 
And the only way I could get it to work in English, what I had to chop it up and turn it into a couple extra sentences. <laughs> Summertime high school, a young man's notes. How a new exchange student like myself ran into his childhood friend on the school tour, then for some reason became super popular with the girls for his daily scoops on the school photography club, even though he only takes panty shots, and what he thinks as he Party goes on dates during his summer of island school life. I, I don't know what person was allowed to submit that as a joke, and then someone just decided to run with it. <laughs> and then I noted, I noted in the same bit that when you check it on 4Gamer, they just yeah. list the first four words and then add a kanji that means yada, yada, yada. I, I don't blame them for that. Yeah. Uh... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so I, what was the original question? Oh, oh, we were doing stuff about anime to RPG. Are, are there any other questions? Of course. <laughs> okay. Because otherwise I'd have to, I would have to go into my experience with the Bastard RPG or the uh, Beats. Uh, oh, Beat versus Vandals. Um, beat the Vandal best. Oh, that was an awful game. Mm -hmm. Let's just skip all the bad memories. Let's go. Next question. <laughs> Next question. What are all your bad memories? Seriously? <laughs> no. Uh, this is from Low Whoops. Uh, have Gaijin on the show again and ask him what are good ways to learn Japanese. Also, ask him what are some good learning games to play to practice your Japanese. Then ask him what is his favorite thing about being able to speak multiple languages. He wants to know all about the Japanese, essentially. Well, I've been chatting with him online about his playthrough through Metabots DS. <laughs> now that I kind of blogged the entire game's plot to him um, on on the forums. And he's been having some fun working through the game, which is thankfully like 99.9% .9 in katakana and hiragana. Oh, that helps a lot. Oh, yeah. It's it's much more player-friendly than than most of the previous Metabots games, even. Mm -hmm. The only the only actual kan kanji it reuses are left and right, just so that that it can write out left arm part and right arm part more, um, more, succinctly. Um, um, but the problem he's having is that the font, um, the font used in the game, is not exactly like the font used in whatever book he's using, or whatever online mm -hmm. uh, reference he's using, and um, yeah. So he's trying to figure out some of these sentences, and he's, I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. What's the situation? He's like, oh, da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, you probably wanted these symbols instead. Tap 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 tap. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like so, when you're still learning those, it's really hard to recognize them through differing fonts than how you're learning them. Yeah, especially since there are three kana or three hiragana that actually, they'll connect lines in one print style, hmm. but not in the regular mm -hmm. writing style or vice versa. Oh, so, so that can get a little confusing at first. Um, but yeah, Metabots DS is surprisingly good for this. So is so are most of the Pokemon games. Especially Pokemon games that are intended to be understood by all ages, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, the part, that's part of it, and part of it, for at least for Pokemon, is also that they, the programmers did not have enough space on the cartridge to include kanji. <laughs> nice. 
I mean, I mean, uh, it was a miracle that they managed to fit gold and silver onto one cartridge, and that was mainly because of, of oh, what um, name forgot forgot. Ibarra. Thank you. Um, the fact that he went like ex like the extra five marathons worth of distance and completely rewrote and uh, compacted the code so that they could fit an extra region into the same game cartridge. Um, but yeah, like all of the old Game Boy Color games, or Game Boy Game Boy Color games, they have very low kanji counts because of space problems. And, I mean, on the plus side, a lot mm. of those also got imported or exported to America, so you're likely to actually have some experience with the English version, too. Yeah, that can actually help a lot, is like, like if you've played the English version, you know what should be going on here. Yeah, that's the second... Um, the second suggestion is pick something that you know what's happening. Don't don't go into a game cold. So, if you have, I mean, if it's something that you really want to play that was never exported, then find a guide for it that somebody's written somewhere. Somebody has probably written one. If you can't find a guide, then odds are it's a really awful game. <laughs> because like that. I mean, everything I have, if I cannot find a, any kind of guide for it. That is my first sign that, oh, hell, I probably should not be playing this. <laughs> what have I done? No, I mean, I often finish it anyway, but it's like, it's just a sign of, it's kind of a one way of checking quality. If they don't care enough about it to actually write anything, then, yeah. Why should I care enough to play it? Um, it usually means uh, nobody could finish it. Yeah. Or did they threw it away instead of selling it back because it wasn't even worth the resale value? Oh, yeah. Oh, what else? Yeah, like that that element of prior knowledge and the fact that there's some internet guides around about them is part of what's made it like slightly easier to attack Super Robot Wars games. Is because like if you know what series are in it and you can recognize the characters talking you can probably start to reconstruct how it relates to the scene so it won't be a one-to-one -one match but you'll at least have some idea what they should be discussing yeah touchstones that's what you need touchstones yeah, yeah. so and see benefits of benefits of being multilingual you learn your own grammar remarkably well yeah, there are, there are a lot of things in English that I did not understand until I had to study them in French, and then it's like, wow, this makes this makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> Stuff like objective cases for relative pronouns. Well, everything's better in French uh, anyway. Yeah, you keep okay, telling yourself that. Now I'm remembering the, the, the Colbert show with um, with Marion Cotillard. And they were doing everything sounds more classy in French. Have you seen that? No. Google Stephen Colbert, Marion Cotillard, and find it. And that they just have fun saying some of the most ridiculous things in French and trying to make it sound cool. That sounds hilarious. I'm going to have to find that. Yeah, this is from like last March. It was one of the episodes from last March. Nice. Um, also, like. Sometimes it's fun. I mean, like, um, I played Pokemon X in French because it had that language option. And 
a lot of the a lot of the place names for the French translation, they had a lot of fun, but since Pokemon XY is set in not France, and so they had all these um, all of these pun names going on with the different cities in the game, based on which city they actually were supposed to be. <laughs> it's like I could recognize, oh, that's La Rochelle, that's Tours, that's uh, I've been to I've been to San Malo. Wow, it looks just like it. <laughs> I've been to that place. Cool. That's Mont Saint Michel. It has a lot more stairs yeah. than real. Um. <laughs> yeah. That's actually one of the things I really liked about them branching out where Pokemon games are like based off of. It's, they've started like it really helps the whole like regions each stick out. Yep. Of course, and um, the Alola region. Oh, I'm sold. Yeah. Did, did you guys see the Japanese trailer for that? Or the Japanese video? I did not see the Japanese one. Well, the, the English one was just game footage, game footage. The Japanese video was its own little story about this Japanese kid who, because of his parents' job, has had to move to Hawaii, and he's trying to cope with being in a new school where everybody else speaks English and he doesn't yet. And this is about four minutes, three or four minutes of video, and it ends with Pokemon Sun and Moon going out on sale and him being able to bond with his classmates now. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it is a very heartwarming little video. We act, I think we actually included it on the news article for the Pokemon Sun Moon videos just because I flashed it up on the chat and said, come on, guys, let's use this, too. This is awesome. So. Also, it's pretty realistic. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, it, it's also a good way of comparing how marketing targets different countries. Yeah. I mean, for the Japanese video, the actual game footage didn't come in until, like, almost the end. And in America, it's just, they just want to see the game, game, game. Game. Give Instant me that gameplay footage. Yeah. I demand shiny graphics, and I demand them now. Mm -hmm. Listen, and I can't really complain. Me, I will still buy your game, but I will write nasty things about it on the internet. Listen, I've got a Twitter account that's fully loaded, and it even has an avatar. It's not an egg anymore, and it's just going to just scream invective at your social media account. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. So, okay. But yeah, so you know, Metabots, DS is a good one. Pokemon's a good one. Um, anything that you like from your childhood, if you can find it in Japanese. Final Fantasy VI is kind of hard to find in the Game Boy Advance version, unless you're willing to pay 70 to $80 minimum. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you're Worth more, it. Uh, you're more likely to find the Metabots Game Boy Advance game in English than you are in Japanese. I'm not sure how much it costs on eBay, but it cannot be more than the $130 it costs if <laughs> actually on stock at my used game store. That's the listed wow. price. They don't even have the game in stock. They've just got a box placeholder saying, yeah, if we have it, this is how much it costs. <laughs> if you could, if you could enjoy the living the dream of it being... The version is $90. So. <laughs> Metabox, this, Meta B for Game Boy Advance, twenty three ninety nine. Yeah, 
I might ask for that sometime for Christmas or something, just uh, just <laughs> to see. I don't think it's been reviewed yet. Hmm. I don't think we have a page for it yet. Wow. Yeah, we need to get that fixed. Yeah. Otherwise, um, I really should play Codename Steam sometime, just to see what happened with the localization in Japanese. Because I think that's that's one of the higher profile games that I could actually play that has been brought over recently. Mm-hmm. That would like that would be really interesting because like that game, that game's art must have been like very strange to like see in you know for Japan. Um, I've seen this is, like the the stylistic art. influences are so like I've American seen comic weirder. art. <laughs> I'm sure you, weirder. You've seen weirder. I'm just. It's like, I mean, yes, the styles change from time to time in Japan, and after a while you can get to the point where you can identify a series year of origin within two or three years just from looking at it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, just what that, all that means is that you have a huge level of variation in most media in this country. Mm-hmm. And so it's not strange to find stuff that falls completely outside the current norm, and still be incredibly popular. Yeah, I just I just meant more because it like is very specifically stylistically patterned after specific comic art. But yeah, it's a solid yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. So, any other uh, questions from Budai or Old Whoops or possibly a third party that we have not heard from before? <laughs> uh, there's more from Low Whoops. Let's see. Of course, there is. Is there any plot device dumber than Star Ocean 3 protagonist being able to shoot a mind beam capable of destroying massive spaceships only one time in the entire game and never being able to harness anything even close to that as anything playable? You are the key to destruction of the bad guys, but you can only use your power once and only by accident. Man, so uh, much of that game was garbage, uh, and yet I still played it excessively. Yeah, that's the that's the point. Yeah, my response would be that there's a worse. That's the point you get where it's like, oh, we want it to be so this guy to be so awesome, so powerful, and well, let's do this. Okay, okay, this this is great. This is great. This is great. And then, ooh, about three thousand man hours of uh, game development later, it's like, wait a moment. Um, if we let him have this power, he's just going to wreck the entire game. Game over. Yeah. Or at least make it like uh, in Dragon like, Quarter, where you give the hero the superpower, and then you make it a plot point that if he uses it too much, the game's over. Yeah. And the world yeah. ends. Yeah. Have fun with uh, it. Um, or you know, just make your make make every game like Dragon Quarter. That would be sweet. I don't want every oh, game. Oh, you would have Dragon so like many people complaining to high heaven. It'd be glorious. I love it. <laughs> Okay, yes, in that respect, yes, it would be glorious. <laughs> it would be really funny to watch for a couple days. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's the only reason I'm looking forward to Final Fantasy 15 is just to see what everybody, <laughs> how everybody reacts to it, because I don't even have a PlayStation 4. I'm looking forward to it to play it, but I'm also looking forward to watching people be furious at it. So. Yep. Um, I get to be in on every part of it. Yep. Um, but more, most ridiculous plot... Um, do you say ridiculous or just bad? I think both. 
Okay, well, plot-induced plot amnesia is always going to be ridiculous. Mm. Except when you play specifically play it for laughs, like that the new Nippon Ichi game. Did you read that? Um, read the Japan Pneumonium column last night? No, I haven't gotten a chance to read night. it yet. Now and after, I'm going to go read it right now. So um, after you scroll down through the huge amount of of, ga- of fan voted listings at the start, I'm sorry, it takes up like sixty percent of the column. Um, let's see. Um, let me just get this for you and give you the link. Oh, it's right there. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Long story short, is the is the and so we, we have a game called the longest plot. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, we have a game called... Okay. The Longest Five Minutes in the World. Hmm. And in this game, it starts where the Dark Lord of Darkness has started charging up for his final attack, and he's going to just mop the floor with with the heroes, and... The first thing he does is hit the hero, the main character, with the world's worst case of amnesia spell. And so sure. he, he can't even remember his own name at first. And so the other, the other characters are frantically trying to help him remember stuff. In the five minutes it will take before the demon lord is fully powered and ready to slaughter everything. And so the entire game is played in flashback. <laughs> well then. And I'm not sure how they would choose to render the hero's name into English, um, because the actual Japanese katakana name is Baku Flashback. Wow. So I just wrote it as Buck Flashback. F R A S H B A C H is. That was the closest I could get to it phonetically without being very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about as good as you're going to guess. Yeah. And pl- besides, Buck is a perfectly good heroic name. Yeah. 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 Um, other... Re- um, okay, the worst one I can think of, or stupidest thing I can think of, was from Fantasy Star 3. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of dumb things in that game. Oh, plenty of them, plenty of them. But, um, like, I think in the second generation, there was a an Esper-type character named Lana that you could meet or fight and marry eventually, or not. And in the third generation, you get to meet her sister, who was in a cryogenic sleep chamber through the first two um, generations. And when she's introduced, the people introducing her say... Oh, this is Lana's sister. Strangely enough, she is also named Lana. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. Okay, I don't care if that was actually in the original Japanese version. It, the translation is hokey, and you could have just changed her name. <laughs> like, why? Double the why? Lana. Lana, Lana, Lana. Great, it's your favorite. I mean, it's one of those cases where just a little bit of change in the localization would have... Okay, would not have fixed the entire game because the entire game was pretty awful. But it could have done something. It would have at least been an improvement. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, any other awful things in localization? Um, have there, any, have there been any cases where alcohol was changed to tea in a game? Several. Several? Tales of Fantasia comes <laughs> to mind, yes. Okay, never mind. Yeah. I was, I was actually thinking of alcohol being changed into coffee in the original Grandia's U.S. localization. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That wasn't too bad, all things considered. Or how about that was, that the, was my... Zelda game's milk bar? Oh, man. Chateau Romani. milk bar because that's a joke in Japanese. Yeah. That's just that there's no way to translate it, so whatever. The joke is that it's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, the, the Grandia one's my favorite because you see a guy passed out in a pile of bottles talking about how he's just gotten buzzed on way too much coffee. <laughs> oh yeah, I need to play p Parallel Trippers again sometime just to actually finish it and get it That out. game looks so weird I have no idea what to make of it Parallel Trippers is in many ways the Chrono Cross of its series where uh, it, it has no real connection to the first game despite having uh, all of the characters from the first game um, it's set in a series of largely disconnected and incredibly thematically diverse islands, and you can you can logistically make any party you want from all of the characters that you recruit, which not only includes the playable characters from Grandia One, it includes Justin's mom as a pirate queen out of retirement. It awesome. It includes the. The three sergeants who I cannot remember their names, but I always thought of them as Magic Knights, Ray Earth, all grown up and turned into dominatrixes. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what they are. Like, yeah, they're really, they are. really biting the Ray Earth style. Yeah, um, there's the say um, the Fisher dude and his girlfriend from the town where Justin and Fina get sacrificed to the volcano. Oh man, I love that game so much. I just played through it a couple months ago. That's a great scene. Um, you can recruit Java, the um, the former adventurer, as well. Yeah. Uh, the only characters who appear that you cannot actually recruit are the oh, well, Lean and her boyfriend, the son of the villain from the first game. Alan. Yeah, they show up, but apparently they're, they're, the side quest that leads to getting them was cut out of the final version because of time constraints. That's so weird. <laughs> so um, so I, I used to talk with this guy on GameFAQs before he decided to completely boycott GameFAQs. Um, about mm -hmm. how you, there were some pro-action replay codes that would let you access the slightly or the really buggy um, side quest, and apparently he, um, the son of the villain, actually had to face down a like a remnant of his own dad at one point. Interesting. Like that is actually in Grandia One. That is a plot point that just kind of peters out. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I mean. Seriously, you can make comparisons to Chrono Cross because it's just about as odd in many ways. Well, at least it's not Grandia Digital Museum. <laughs> is that even a game or is it just a showcase? It's got game in it. I don't think it's properly a game. Like, so it's, it's, it's Japan Saturn only. Like, probably under the etc. like Tales of Fans. Yeah, it's probably closer to something like that. Like it, it has a plot, but like it's it's mostly just like an excuse to here's a bunch of art from the game on a disc with a vague plot to it. Yep, sounds about right. 
One of those uh, other charming kinds of things that you only ever see come out in Japan. Yep, yep. Okay. So, Wheels, I have my own question for you. Sure, ask away. Romancing Saga 2, how are you doing? Uh, still very early in. I haven't gotten a chance to play too much. because You I'm... streamed the first little bit of it and got yeah. confused by, by it. I'm very impressed with the art style. Oh That's yeah, sure. everybody I've talked to is like the art's awesome. The the tran the uh, translation and localization needs a bit of work, or a yeah, lot of work. But still, better than I expect. It's better but than hey, it's not so having fun. one. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Obviously, Saga Battle System, so I like that. But uh, busy with Seven Dragon Three, so that's been kind of eating Which, up most of my portable time. I really wish they'd given me more time with the demo. Yeah. Because I wanted to finish that first level. Because coming off of the original <laughs> Dragon, that game was such an improvement. I don't care how awful it is in any other way, it is still an improvement on the first one. I'm actually loving it quite a lot. Like, it's pretty easy, which is fine, but you get, uh... So you get to have th three parties of three characters. Mm -hmm. uh, which, which so far pretty much covers all the classes in the game. But the nice thing there is uh, they're all together at the same time, and they all gain experience. Mm -hmm. So you pretty much... So you don't have to do like any weird swapping out of characters. You can just play with all your characters all the time. And, yeah. So it lets you mess around with all the different classes, and the classes are cool. They're probably from... 2020 and 2022, um, um, but I haven't played that, so... A lot of them are adapted, but not necessarily the same okay. as the ones. Plus, a lot of the 2020 um, classes got split between the past and future in 7th uh, Dragon 3. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the time whole time-traveling thing is a bit weird, and I am very confused about the fact that, hey, you're trying to gather all this stuff to stop a true dragon, and yet in the future there's still dragons that have invaded? Oh, that's because the the dragons travel in large swarms, multiple large swarms, and will periodically reinvade planets after they've had time to recover. So I'm assuming this game is going to resolve with you defeating the final true dragon, and then I guess the true dragon's lackeys just show up later on in the original seventh dragon? No, I mean, like, it says the seventh dragon. There are actually seven true dragons, apparently. Uh, yes, but this game is all about the final true dragon, they call it. What, did they give a name for him? Because I think in 2020 it was Fomalhaut. Uh, they may have, I forget. Yeah. So in the original seventh dragon, did you ever fight a, drag a dragon named Haze? Oh, yes! <laughs> yes, I did. I fought him in multiple parts because ah. a previous section actually spread him over a large section of the countryside. I see. And so I got to fight Hayes Claws, Hayes Fangs, Hayes a couple other things. Hayes um, Claws? Like Christmas time Hayes? Haha. <laughs> no, I mean, actual bits of his body were reconstituting themselves as smaller dragons. <laughs> Interesting. 
and you had to fight through them to get to the main Hayes, who was still putting himself back together, so that you could activate what the anti-dragon weapon that you had pulled out of ancient Tokyo. Nice. Oh, so they in the original they do reveal that. Yes, uh, they do reveal that Eden is the future version of Earth. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes the whole series make a bit more sense then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Just like, yeah, you have you have to fight Hayes again. Or not again, because again's in the first game. Okay. Um, <laughs> hmm. You just you, you just get to kick his butt. Do you kill Kate Hayes in the first game? Um, you neutralize him. Uh, yes. So you have to actually go and kill him in three. They specifically say okay, that. Okay, maybe it is again. Yeah, they they say like he's sealed away and he's breaking out and because it, it the area in the future you go into I believe takes place after the original Seventh Dragon if I'm interpreting that makes that a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay. After they've had a bit of time to recover from the Dragon Key stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I'm guessing some of the characters Sorry. you meet Sorry, up I'm not with... discussing. I just don't have any. Uh... That's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that some of the characters you probably meet up with there are from the original game, but I haven't well, played enough of it. Well, there weren't any named NPCs to begin with. Yeah. Um, but if you run into a slightly crazy girl who seems to be in charge of the university, then, hey, they must have let her out of prison. <laughs> uh, because... Um, she and her sister are the guardians of ancient Tokyo, and they've been alive for the 10,000 years since the last incursion. Uh, yep, both of them, and both she, of them are in there. And, and in Dra Seventh Dragon, she is very, very intent on getting rid of the dragons permanently. Uh-huh. To, to the extent that she really, she considers anything to be an acceptable collateral damage. Ooh. The, the blast that destroys Hayes, um, or actually smears him across the countryside in Seventh Dragon, is powered by the Thousand-Man Gun from the Cat People's Empire. The Thousand-Man Gun, literally 1,000 citizens of the Empire volunteer to load themselves into the thing and serve as its power source, starting with the Emperor. Wow. It still does not manage to kill the true dragon. It just manages to... <laughs> Blast Hayes, who bl blocked the shot and damaged the final boss a little bit, so he's weak enough to actually take down later. This is among other things that this seemingly, oh, well, okay, she's rather pretentious young lady manages to arrange, which is how she ends up getting thrown in prison by her own allies because they're saying enough is enough already. Nice. Yeah. Her sister is not nearly as insane, even though she, this other sister, did in fact take the soul of the late president of your home country and put him into a sword. <laughs> After the original Draconic incursion that leaves your party in a coma for three years. Man, good, good times. times. Seven times. dragons. Man, now I want to see what kind of crazy nonsense happens in the two 2020 games. Well, the first one just got uh, fan translated. Well, in 2022, I know that the President of the United States is seriously considering nuking Japan. <laughs> oh, that's, uh... 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is still a step up from Shin Megami Tensei, where the the American ambassador did, in fact, nuke Japan. Yeah. No comment. Yeah. But hey, what, what do you expect from a an ambassador named Thorman? The guy's actual name was Thorman. Nice. And the and uh, regardless of which way you do deal with him, whether or not you actually work with him properly or you double cross him, he will call in Operation Thor's hammer on the city. Which <sighs> and gives you five minutes to get out of the building, which you cannot manage. Mm-hmm. So you do... Which is a good set piece. Yeah. So you end up at ground zero of the second or the third nuking of Japan and get blown into the other world for a while. And you have to good escape. Times. Yep, yep. Fun times. That game was so messed up and I'm seriously not surprised it never came to America. <laughs> Can you imagine the massacring that would have to be done to that game to make it acceptable for Nintendo of America in the 90s? That, like, uh, there was... Uh, yeah. There was, there was nothing to, to make it acceptable now. It. I mean, you have, mm. you have characters getting crucified on public television. You have the capital of Tokyo getting... or capital of Japan getting nuked. You have your mom getting eaten by a demon and replaced with a for a bit before you find out. So. Man, Shin Megami Tensei really is just equal parts devil man and, like, whatever else they happen to be watching at the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, As opposed to Metal Max, which is very obviously the result of a bunch of bored programmers drinking too much vodka and Red Bull and watching all of the Mad Max movies back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back on, like, eight times. Which explains why Metal Max is rad as hell. I try to find a new analogy for this series every time I do a review. It's like, okay, it's like if you crossed Final Fantasy, uh, Final, if you crossed the original uh, Fallout with Parodius, <laughs> or a bunch of SquareSoft uh, programmers circa 1996 got really high and watched, <laughs> or <laughs> or somebody thought, you know, it would be just, it would just be cool to do this. You know. It's good. And had too much to drink. Yeah. That's what generally lowers inhibitions enough to create such great madness. And, of course, there's my favorite story, which I've never been able to tell if this is actually true or not, even though a lot of sources say it is. Red Company, um, when they were making Mm -hmm. the the Tengai Mafio games during that period in the 80s and 90s, apparently most Mm -hmm. most of their plans... Wheels, you're sending us to hell. What? What did I do? I didn't do it. You're, you're making you. awful, like... You sound like you're eating your microphone. I'm sorry, I was chewing on my shirt. So, yeah, I'm so not par- sure if you're joking. No, I do that sometimes. It's a weird thing. I so, got yeah. So, apparently, Red Company, who is respo- the group that's responsible for Tengai Makyo, Kabuki Clash, Sakura Tyson, Winds of Nostalgia, and a few others... Um, did all of their best planning sessions with a lot and a lot and a lot of alcohol. <laughs> so this is how you get a game where the entire premise is that 
it's um, like the original Tengai Makyo, the entire plot is supposedly being told to us by this late Victorian period British professor of Japonica, um, Japanese studies, who has received all of these interesting second-hand accounts from the Land of the Rising Sun and has pieced together a true pit of the, nation, of the nation's history from several hundred years ago. I, I adore while that. Having, that sort. While having zero idea of what the country actually looks like. I adore that sort of, like, interesting, like, mesh of, like, weird, exotic orientalist perspective. Even better, the original yeah. game's manual was written from his point of view. <laughs> it had a oh, section that's beautiful. Of view. And his name is, I can't remember what his name was, but it was an acronym based on the names of the developers. That's beautiful. Yes. And then they went and like, did something similar with Tenga Matkyo 4, except they did it for America. Like, every time... I'm, like, I'm still so sad that there is no English release of any Tengai Mafio. Yeah. It's depressing. Well, there was Kabuki Clash. There was what? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't count, you know it. <laughs> hey, it's part of that the doesn't count any more. That doesn't count any more than Oriental Blue counts. Did that get released in America? That, that got a fan translation, I want to say. If 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 that counts, then Jack Brothers is still the first first Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. No, you know you know what it takes to count as a canonical Mega Ten game, right? What's that? Jack Frost has to be in it. That's all. Well, well, Jack Bros does have plenty of Jack Frost. Yep. So as far as anyone's concerned, it, it should a be a canonical Mega Ten game. Despite the fact that Mega Ten Super Series has at least six continuities, some of them, some of them split between games of the same named series. Yeah, yeah. it's like Persona One and Two, different series from Persona Three and Four. It's true. I, yeah, there's va- there's really vague references to the uh, Persona to Two the has really vague references to Devil Summoner. Yeah, yeah, and of course, but Devil like Summoner Persona Three does have. Sorry. And then Devil Summoner and Soul Hackers are in a almost completely different continuity from the other two Devil Summoner games. Right, okay. PlayStation 2. One of which has a timey-wimey alternate universe connection to Shin Megami Tensei 2. <laughs> yeah, and of course they, they shoved Raido into 3DS Soul Hackers. Just for the hell of it. I mean, he... Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, in, um, in the second release of... of um, the Maniacs edition of Nocturne uh, Chronicles had edition. Rido in it instead of Dante. Yeah. Interesting. How can we how can we bring back Nocturne if we can't use Dante? Just put Rido in there, whatever. It was packaged with the second Rido game. Yeah, I'm kind of sad we didn't get that edition. I do have that edition. I really should finish Nocturne one of these days. Uh, yeah. Nocturne's fine. It's pretty good. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I remember, like Persona Three does make a more explicit reference to Persona One and Two than some of the others, because like, uh, freaking when you go like meet Mitsuru's father, he mentioned like they mentioned that like, oh, we're related to the Nanjo group, which is you know ne- uh, Nanjo from Persona One. Yeah. Is like 
his whole ridiculous rich family. But at the same time, when you look at the games, yeah, they're not completely different plot styles. They've got completely different enemy groups and metaphysics behind the cosmology. Yeah, like they're not related in any reasonable fashion. I mean, yeah, the only thing they have in common is uh, Igor. Yeah. And he seems to have just ditched, like, I can only assume he took took everyone else in the Velvet Room out behind back and and shot them because they're gone. Yeah, I mean, there was the, uh, (laughs) what's his name, the guy who was giving Persona in the first two games and the manga. Um, Uh, Philemon. Yeah, Philemon. Philemon, uh, I mean, Philemon is in the manga, um, Una, Una Substantia, which is connected to the first two games. And then he doesn't appear in any of the other Personas after that. Yeah, I actually really like Persona 1 and 2's plot, even though Persona 1 is kind of trash to play. Mm-hmm. What you gonna do? I've never actually seen any of the manga... Is the manga any good, or...? Yes, actually, I've got... I've, well, which manga series are we talking about? Um, there the was the a, one you just mentioned. There was a three-volume manga called Persona Una Substantia, which mm. is... It's a completely contained story, but it's definitely set in the same style of uh, Megaten as Persona 1 and 2. Um, and it's got Philemon, it's got Igor, it's... It's got one of the best uses of magic keys I've ever seen. Because um, the four heroes in this game, they're all... Um, part of their persona power is they, they've each received a key from Philemon. And mm-hmm. they use these to create um, magic swords to fight with. And they're all... Throughout the um, first two volumes of the series, they're like, okay, well, what did the key, where are the keys supposed to open? And then during this big epic scene... Um, one of the, um, the main rival character does a heel face turn and mm. receives a key, and the first thing he does is scream something to the effect of keys don't just open things, and he slams it into the mon- into the boss monster of the series, and <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Slams the sword straight into the thing's forehead because the thing is like a personification of a magical construct called the Red Book, whereas mm. Philemon is the White Book, and he. Yeah slams his sword straight into the thing's skull and twists it around and locks it. It's like, That's keys good. do not like just that. open things. Slam! Uh, that reminds me that I just, uh... This whole discussion reminds me that I just pre-ordered the Persona 5 Take Your Heart edition. We're gonna get it five months later, but at least I'll get a stupid Morgana plushie to go with it. Nice. Yep. It can yeah. sit alongside my Teddy and Raiho. <laughs> so, uh, oh, Fields, um, have you been referring, or have you referred to an FAQ for Romancing Saga 2 yet? I have not, although I assume I'm going to have to. Probably should. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Game Facts, there is an, like, almost complete one from, ooh, when was it? First put up 12... No, 13 years ago. Oh, wow. Yep. Is it, um, it's is only, it by you? It's only missing stuff from... Um, it's only missing exclusive stuff at this point, but they're wor- we're working on it, yeah. So. Uh, 
Oh wow, 204k. Yeah. Damn. Oh man. <laughs> That's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> as, as of right now, it is still the only even marginally complete FAQ for that game on the English internet. FAQ 2002 by Michael Baker. Yes. Sweet. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. <laughs> So, oh yeah, it has been 14 years. Wow, time flies. Uh, Actually, I saved this as a PDF, so I have it, always have it handy. Go ahead. Um, it just, it has nothing on the mazes of memory, the two new character classes, or pretty much um, a lot of the names are slightly different in English. So, and that, that has not been updated yet. Oh, sorry. So, let me see if we have any other questions. I feel, oh, I had, not necessarily a question, but, um, so I saw uh, some sort of announcement for the new Yokai, Yokai watch that uh -huh. had some hilarious uh, artwork that was a parody of the X-Files. Why am I not surprised? It's like uh, Mulder and Scully in that whole art style holding the Y-Files. <laughs> I know. I, I still don't think anything can beat the first poster I ever saw for Yokai Watchbusters. What was that? Well, you know, Yokai Watchbusters. It's kind of a co-op Monster Hunter style yeah. game. Watch. Well, um, it showed Komasan and um, Jibanyan dressed up in Ghostbusters uniforms, driving an Ecto One thing, a car that looked just like Ecto One with Whisper in the background, or Whisper in the back seat, and in the distance, there was this one, I mean, a lot, all the monsters in this game are, like, evil, souped-up versions of the regular yokai, and so you could see different ones in the background, but the biggest one was a super monster version of Whisper that was, like, identical to the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> Oh my god. Yes, and it is actually in the game. Um, so is uh, Level 5 currently in pending litigation with the owners of the Ghostbusters franchise? Wow. Amazingly not. Wow. <laughs> owners of the Amazing Ghostbusters not. franchise, not aware. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're aware, but they probably have an agreement with whoever licensed it in Japan. Uh, oh, Japan Japanese licensing laws are a lot looser. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Oh, you okay? Watch. Mm -hmm. I uh, that'll keep happening in America. I kind of like the game from what I've played of it, but I'm sure I will get bored of it. I, I played the demo. And like the battle system just wasn't doing it for me. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's all right. All right. Also, I... I'm wondering how they're going to translate the titles for Yokai Watch Two. Oh, they, they've already translated them, actually. Oh, really? What are the official titles? Because I had bets going on nice. New Wave and Old School. 
Let's see. Yokai Watch 2 is. Uh, f- let's see. The Bony Spirits and Fleshy Souls. I much prefer New Wave and Old School, but oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the, the original Japanese tiles were Honge and Ganso, which mm-hmm. um, Honge translates as, like, the home office or something like that, because that's yeah. the one supposed to be the one that focuses more on the the um, current yokai, the, the weird ones from the first game, whereas yeah. part of the storyline also focuses on the past and the older style yokai that, oh, that man. Eric's grandfather mm-hmm. used to work with. So that was Gansa, which means like elder generation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, new wave and old school. That works perfectly, but no, they have to do something weird. Yeah, they had to go with something that's like, oh, they're ghosts. Whereas sushi and tempura, I am still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. I'm sure that they'll have to translate them anyway. No, I mean, sushi and tempura, I, I'm guessing that they don't need to translate those for the English audience. Well, they don't have to, but they will. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm figuring they chose something like that specifically because it's in America. Oh, true enough, true enough. And they already have enough jokes with the new yokai. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did you just get that? Like my brain just like slid it into place, and I'm just groaning. <laughs> so yeah, so for everybody in the audience, the the extended vowel in Japanese can be pronounced straight like yo, or it can be used as an approximation for r in English. So yep. new yokai could be tra- could be used to sound like New York kai. Uh. <laughs> Uh, like it, ne- like I never really, like I n- never said it l- out loud enough to realize what they'd done, and it was like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Puntastic. Uh, puntastic. Yep. That's the entire untranslatable series. puntastic. Yeah, untranslatable puntastic. I mean, the translators had enough problems with level um, level five's Dragon Quest eight monster names. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me see what other questions we got. Um. What are some movie and TV actors and actresses that you'd like to see doing more RPG voiceovers? Bruce Willis. Imagine that. Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's already in Project Cross Zone. Let's put him in. Oh man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Seriously, that that guy's attacks. I mean, yeah, putting him. Um, yeah, I mean that was some of the fun. Attaching him to, like, um, whatever her name was in English, Lele, the Chinese zombie with the guy from Dead Rising. Uh, Those uh, three together were... Yeah, in English, she's Shinko. Shinko? Okay. Yeah, Shinko. Just first, I mean, all together, everything in the kitchen sink, literally. And then you have 
not Bruce Willis coming in, throwing even more stuff and including a grandfather clock full of dynamite and then it explodes and he's screaming, I think I may have used too much as he flies away. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know. Yes. I don't even know what of, to say anymore. And of course, there's super attack, where Shinko grabs the monster in her huge claws, winds it up, and the guy from Dead Rising, um, he's got his baseball bat out, and he just hits a home run, and he shouts Dead Rising as he as the thing disappears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope we get a new Dead Rising soon. I love those games. Yes, it is just so ridiculous. <laughs> I really should play the second one eventually, but I'm trying to budget. I've mm. got a long list of Yeah, two and three I are both excellent. If I can find them for under 1,000 yen. So. Yeah, two, two and three are both excellent, so if you can ever get hold of them. Those so, are good RPGs. They're kind of like Dragon Quarter. <laughs> it's true. Uh, movie and TV actors I would just put in RPGs. Uh, it's just I, I can't even imagine it happening. So, like yeah. I have no way yeah. context to respond. Uh, I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I'd prefer many of the voiceover actors than I would. Uh, you don't, you, don't want, uh, you don't want the game equivalent of a DreamWorks film? Eh. Which, which um, Kingdom Hearts game was it who had Lance Bass as... <laughs> uh, Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah. Forgot about he's, that. He's Sephiroth in that, and but Sephiroth only has like two lines total in that, so it's fine. Yeah. So, honestly, I think the amount of money they would have to spend to get some of these people on on board would offset any positive impact that they would have on the game. To, to be fair, bringing up Kingdom Hearts, bringing Leonard Nimoy in to, fill, to, to voice the ridiculous goblin man of a villain for Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep was made that game like 300 times as entertaining as it would have been otherwise. <laughs> and I would, go with, I would go with him again if he were still alive. But hey, no, okay, luckily, George Takei. George Takei. We yes! Probably on. Yes! Like they, they, the thing is, they have to recast him in Japanese too because his Japanese voice actor also died. Oh, that's ah. sad. You know that's that, sad, but at the very least, it means it'll be consistent. <laughs> so yeah, let's get let's say people who have maximum recognizability and fairly minimal standards for what they get involved in because they're just doing it for fun. So Brian Cranston. Yeah, George Takei's up there. I would say Weird Al Yankovic. Because he's, yeah, yeah. he's proven consistently that if you can provide a good enough pitch and it sounds interesting, he'll do it. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm going to actually throw out Brian Cranston because he did a bunch of anime dubs in the nineties. Mm -hmm. If you've ever heard the English dub of Macross Plus, that one of the main characters is voiced by Walter White from Breaking Bad. I, I have seen remarkably little anime in English that was not on Toonami during the late, 80, late 90s and early aughts. Mm -hmm. so. I just always thought that was funny. <laughs> I mean, I never, I never actually saw the Robotech series, except maybe three episodes. 
but I mm. read the entire novelization, which turned out a lot better oh, because man. they were able to add in extra stuff. Um, like To fit those theories together? That could actually, I mean, nothing would ever really get the motorcycle section to fit in properly with everything else, but at least the first two parts and the Sentinels section actually coalesced reasonably well. <laughs> they could create connections where none had existed and also excuse away disconnections because you couldn't see them anymore. Exactly. They, they didn't they were not as bound by the actual visual reality of the series, and it worked better. Not as bound by two of these series weren't even made by remotely the same studio. <laughs> yep. If I remember right, Southern Cross uh, even bombed in Japan only to it get, didn't benefit from. Yeah, to to actually only to get a resurgence in popularity and people getting interested in it because of the Robotech remake. Yeah, because they cycling. they imported Robotech back into Japanese. Yes. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. How did this happen? It's, I mean, it's the same thing that... I mean... I know there's an actual term for a movie like this where they take the foreign movie and they just cut it up and redo stuff. They did it to this one, like, Thai or Indonesian action movie where mm -hmm. they just took all the footage and cut it up and reorganized it and redubbed it into English. And, I mean, it's what they did to um, Nausicaa back during the 80s. It's what they did mm. to Legendaria. It's what they did to Robotech. They did it to a lot of foreign stuff. Yeah, I mentioned... Uh, largely on Captain. the mistaken premise that foreign stuff would not be that popular in America. And they had to make it a more American... Yeah, less... Yeah, I remember getting to mention last time my uh, confusion at finding an episode of Captain Harlock in The Queen of a Thousand Years. Now, I have vague but definite memories of the Dragon Warrior anime from either first or second grade when I saw it, and mm -hmm. later looking up and realizing that there were only 13 episodes ever broadcast on TV, so I had to have seen these 13 episodes, and then I rented the entire series from Geo Geo over here, about 40 <laughs> episodes or so, and mm -hmm. watched it all the way through, mm -hmm. and there, and I realized that some of, the, some of these scenes that I remembered so vividly from years and years ago yeah. were well past the 13th episode point. <laughs> Which means that they just take an arbitrary part. Yeah, it was slightly rearranged at some point past the 5th episode. Hmm. Because everything lined up up until about the 5th episode and then suddenly it's like, okay, I'm not sure if I don't remember this or if it wasn't actually released. And then, yeah. okay, we're past the point where I can cannot remember anything. Okay, good, good, good. Wait a moment. This I remember this scene. Why is this in episode twenty? <laughs> Great anime, like, by the way. Imported sometime. It's really awesome. Um, that that yeah. habit was also just a strange part of that. Where it's just like, oh, we're not going to combine it with another series, but we are going to completely rearrange it for no real reason. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember card captors. Yeah, card captors did that hard, again, hardcore. It again, cut out like half of it. Rest. Again, in media rest from an episode in the middle of the series, they rearranged everything, cut a couple episodes, promoted the the male secondary character to co-protagonist status. It's just ridiculous. Just, uh, all in order, this. all because they thought they were going to be pleasing a fan base 
many of whom had actually seen the original and were now pissed off. Uh, good job. This, this you, still, pointed, but, you aimed your gun quite carefully at your own foot. Qual- quality yeah. marketing research there, huh? But even after all this, the one that really takes the cake for me is probably Escaflone. Oh! oh how they cool. ever thought they would be able to show even two or three episodes of that and not be able yeah. to show a single drop of blood. <laughs> yeah! I mean, yeah, they managed to change the blood coming out of the magic mecha into oil or something. But apparently there was one episode well after the point where the Fox execs said, screw this, stop it, that where they would not have been able to fake it. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen Vision of Escaflone, and it's like it becomes more and more impossible. So, which is why I would have had a good time with the godsend in college. Yeah, because the only things I can remember them excluding from, like from Cowboy Bebop, was they took out the fifth episode, Sympathy for the Devil, and then they took out what like episode twenty something because it was like right after nine eleven, and the episode involved yeah, the explosive, explosive destruction of two skyscrapers. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also one they briefly removed from ro- rotation later after a, after space shuttle explosions became more more sensitive topic. But yeah, no, the this teddy bear bomber episode they removed from rotation and as well. Okay, one more uh, I love Cowboy Bebop. Oh, no, I did not have a phone call. It was somebody outside with a ringtone exactly like mine. Ha! Yep. Okay. Nice. But, yeah. uh, Teddy Oh, Pierre LeFou, the one with the crazy clown guy. No, it's, like, there's this... There's a few episodes with bombings, but... Like, there was this one... There's one that's, like... There's a plot going on in the background, but this guy in, like, a teddy bear outfit is just screaming about how no one's paying attention to his attempt to blow up a skyscraper. Oh, that was the one that was... I thought that was... Yeah, that was the one that got cut out because it was too close to 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. And the first one that got cut out was because it actually showed Spike shooting a kid in the head. Oh, (laughs) God. Even though he was a 90-year-old, chronologically frozen revenant who was pure evil, as shown by the entire episode... Yeah, like the entire episode, like the the sh- bullet hitting him in the head does not actually like blow his head up as you would expect. It just like ages him. Yeah, it collapses the chronodysphasic field or whatever you want to call it, and he suddenly ages ninety years and tens in yeah, three seconds. Just has like a heart attack immediately. But yeah, yeah, like they they couldn't really edit around the fact that the entire like climax to the episode is Spike shoots a child in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was one of the best titles that they chose for, I mean, I want to the... say that episode. I want to say that episode did air eventually, though, because oh, I yeah, definitely it, it saw it on TV. It, it aired a few years later on Toonami because they kept the mm. series in rotation and they finally showed it. Same yeah. with the other they cut out. Yeah, like after enough time for that series, because I mean, it mm-hmm. came with Japanese titles and English titles. The English titles mm-hmm. were determined by the, the script writers. Yeah. As far as Metallica's, they've got the same ones on the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. So, like, episode five, 
is titled Sympathy for the Devil in, in the Japanese copy, too. Mm-hmm. So. But Toys in the Attic was one of the better ones. Oh, that one's really good, too. Yeah. <laughs> when they start, like, Don't referencing forget, really guys, specific always songs, they're really clean fun. Out your refrigerator. Oh, man. That, that episode is... <laughs> A so genuine Ganymede rock lobster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Why was there never a Cowboy Bebop RPG? There was a Cowboy Bebop bad shooter on PS1 and an action game that got announced for US release but never actually released here in on PS2. And I have no idea if it was any good at all. The problem with trying to adapt Cowboy Bebop to an RPG would be finding a way of getting the is focusing out on the bigger picture and coming up with a story to fit in the spaces around the actual story. Uh, yeah. Because the series that usually make good RPGs are the ones with the really expansive story arcs where it's completely possible to insert an entire Gaiden into one side mm-hmm. of it. Like, like what I said with Croquette earlier. Like Cowboy Bebop's a mostly intimate story. Yeah, yeah it's true. To it, it's also too short. Yeah, for yeah. Like, they just inserted knocking on Heaven's door in just a random place. Yeah. And, um, I, I played one of the, the Full Metal Alchemist RPGs, and mm-hmm. it was definitely set before Volume 8 of the manga. Because <laughs> they were, because the characters were very much, or the game was very much dancing around the true nature of General King. Mm-hmm. That that got an RPG. When did that ever come out? In it got English? several. Um, two two of them for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, yeah, no, it didn't get them in English. The only English ones we got were the two PS2 beat 'em ups. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so um, I was really sad because that should these, be an interesting. A lot of these have to skirt around major spoilers, or even have to work with stuff that they don't know how the manga is going to turn out, or the anime is going to turn out. See also I mean, how the anime, first anime turned yeah. out. Like, um, yeah, so same with the anime for Helsing, where the anime outpaced <laughs> the manga so fast that they actually had to create a new villain at, with a new plot arc. That completely... <laughs> like, the later manga the later manga volumes completely invalidated it. Yeah. So they had, so they had to remake the Helsing anime with the new Helsing version. Ultimate. Yeah. Or for an American example, the um, Scott Pilgrim movie, where the movie was made yeah, before Phoenix Six came out, so the showdown with the twins was completely different. It had to be completely yeah, different. Yeah, it's almost entirely cut from the movie. Yeah, and the movie, yeah. they're just the DJs because that section had not been may not have even been completely written at that point, and the guys who were doing the movie script had no access to the information. Yeah, the only thing I know about that script... Yeah, the only thing I know about that script writing process is that at some point, like, the idea was going to be that there were going to be two different endings, and neither of them was going to have Scott and Ramona together. And then (laughs) somehow both of them changed. (laughs) Magic, uh, magic of development uh, changes. 
Good times. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, I'm any other questions? We've been just been. I'm remembering a comment oh, section. God. I was in once where somebody was complaining about Dragon Ball and how the fights keep going on, and I had to explain to them that yeah, that's that's how a lot of series deal with the fact that their animation animated series are outpacing the manga because the anime is coming out almost daily in Japan. Yeah. Because Japanese TV promotes stuff. And so, like, with Dragon Ball, you just inflated episodes of the manga to ridiculous lengths. And in Kero Ragunso, you just had the anime and the manga running, like, parallel continuities that are not necessarily connected. <laughs> I mean, one, there's it's... one character in the manga and the anime for Kero Ragunso has different names in each version. They're both number puns. But they're well, two different names. That's how you tell which version you're watching. The the, um, the, the Sergeant Frog RPG is based on the anime, by the way. You can mm. tell by the name. And um, and then you had like Naruto, where they just simply said "screw this" and they did the thousand ep plus episodes of filler <laughs> while they wait for the manga. Mm -hmm. So they solid Shippuden version of the manga to build up enough of a backlog that they could work off of it again. 80 solid weeks. That's horrifying. That's like, that's what happens when, like, if you take it off the air, people think, that, think it's cancelled. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Japanese, Japanese television does not work on seasons the way American television does. There is no off-season. Yeah, it's just, um, if, it, yeah, like if it's the, off uh, the air, that means they don't make it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Those poor animators. Uh, one, one, seri one series ends, another series comes up to replace it. Um, By a well, time uh, slot. <laughs> yeah, there is a... Uh, there's an annual series called um, the Taiga Drama series, where it's, it's just historical dramas. Mm -hmm. And um, several years ago, it was um, Sakamoto Ryoma, Ryoma Den, which I actually saw was really good. It was mm -hmm. one... It was one episode a week, every Sunday, every week of the year. 52 mm. episodes. It's just ridiculous. Like, and it was one of the... Schedule it, it, must be a nightmare. It had, oh, they do these like up to two years in advance of the actual showing. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, um, you can't get away with that in America because, again, like focus groups and stuff where they are some, they're often tweaking the episode um, tweaking future episode writing as they continue through the season because depending on who reacts to what like oh this uh, uh the this character tested well emphasized them in the next few episodes yeah that sort of thing and they don't do that in japan very often they I mean, don't really have the chance to do that it's happened on some of the sentai episodes uh, sentai series where one series got a sequel series the next year mm-hmm which is how you get stuff like Green Ranger. Um, mm. But for the most part, it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, the series is plotted out in advance and it's shown. Mm. And it's usually not canceled after the second episode, for example, which happens all the time in America. Especially it's on one Fox. of those things where like, you, usually by the time they would cancel it, it there's already too much money into it. You might as well just finish showing it. But it's also how the anime industry over here has gotten so good at estimating 
costs and estimating demographics mm-hmm. and just getting really good at figuring out exactly how much money you can put into something for the amount that you're going to be getting back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm trying to think of anime series that have gotten cancelled and the only things I can think of are like really hella old or weird cases like Big O. Hunter x Hunter is still in publication even though the artist uh. has taken up to 10 years sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, like they can't they, like it's just officially it's just still on hiatus. Oh, they, they recently put out volume 33. Uh, oh, wow. I, I'm pretty sure I picked up volume 12 from a French-language comic book store in Belgium back in the summer of 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of, like, poor Berserk fans that spent, like, 15 years waiting for them to get off of a boat. Yeah. So... It's just a very different publication and production culture over here. I can't tell if it's better or worse. However, you're more likely to at least get some sort of closure on a series that you like over here. Mm-hmm. You don't end up with something like like Star Trek getting canceled in the middle of the third season. Or even worse, Firefly, a show that found its massive audience after it had been canceled for like a long time already. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Whenever I think of like the closest season at least. Yeah. Because so, Star Trek, the original, actually got cancelled in the middle. Uh, that sucks. When, whenever I, I think of the like the closest thing. measure the under 18 demographic yet. And Seriously? They didn't realize, <laughs> yeah, at the time the Nielsen's did not measure demographics below like early mid-20s. And they did not realize just how popular the series was with the younger groups. Whoops. But Whenever if, I, you look, if you look at the timeline, you realize that about the time the younger audience in the late 60s grew up to be old enough to be financing stuff in the early 80s, guess when you started seeing a resurgence of Star Trek? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, whenever I think of like the closest thing to a Japanese uh Star Trek. It's like it's original Gundam, I guess. Like that got cancelled about ten episodes earlier than it was intended to, but it's still finished, so Yeah. And the opposite being anime um anime and manga like Dragon Ball or Inu um, Inuyasha, where they actually oh, came to the intended ending of the complete series plot arc only to only for the um, guys in management to say, oh no, this is still too popular, keep going. Dragon Ball GT gave the world many, many bad ideas to, to sort Dragon of Dragon Ball Z was supposed to have back. ended with Goku blowing up against Frieza. <laughs> yeah, and a multitude of other places that it wanted to end it, obviously. Could. And then they have the Garlic Jr. arc, and he comes back. Oh man, Garlic Jr., that was He, he was not supposed to have survived that. Whoops. And they kept yeah, going. Toriyama really wanted to, really felt like the only way he could leave Dragon Ball is if Goku died. And he should have learned from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle that does not always work. That it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, He eventually did, and that's just sort of stopped. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, rumors yeah. of a new Sherlock Holmes movie. Huh. That was always good. And I am hoping and praying it turns out to be Sherlock Holmes versus Arsene Lupin. Oh, finally. Because that would be They've been doing that for like 
I can't think of any yeah. other thing that would um, be able to really work with after they ended Shadow War or Shadow Game. Game so, of Shadows, yeah. Yeah, Game of Shadows. It's not like it's not like anyone has like the rights to Arsène Lupin anymore. So. Yeah. Plus, plus there is already a novel Arsène Lupin contra Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> yes, Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> like because it was originally of. Did you hear the story there? It was a, a yeah yeah. It was originally published as Ar- yeah. Arsène Lupin contra Sherlock Holmes, and then, then um, Doyle's Doyle's lawyers sued and said, "Seriously, no, no, guys, we're not allowed to use Sherlock Holmes and Watson in the story, especially since they are the butt of the jokes." <laughs> and so, and so, Maurice LeBlanc's people said, "Okay, okay, we will change it in the very next publishing or printing." Herlock Sholmes and his sidekick Wilson. <laughs> oh, so it's a house crossover now. Yes. Um, I'm like, that is so perfectly, like, that is such a perfect Gallic screw you. <laughs> uh, like, they might as well have just sent them back a uh, middle finger. <laughs> yep. Or even better, in the Japanese translation still has it as Sherlock Holmes. Nice. <laughs> Then again, Japan was like, hey, this Arsene Lupin guy, he's pretty good. Let's make Lupin the third. <laughs> Speaking of series that just won't stop, but in, in that case, it just yeah, keeps no, getting reinvented. Like, at this point, Lupin's structure is almost like an American comic book series because they just keep rebooting. Yeah, like it just... whatever. Yeah. Whenever it comes back, it changes a little different, but whatever everyone remembers is what is, what is still there. Yeah. Is that crazy? time that Deke was going to try to make a Lupin the Third spinoff called Lupin the Eighth? <laughs> Far future, um, huh? Yeah, it was weird. But, like, it was it was very, very specifically Lupin the Third because, like, it still had, like, Goemon and Jigen. Uh, now, if you want, if you want a realistic science fiction adaptation of Arsene Lupin, check out um, Walter John Williams' series The Divertimente. Or divertimenti. I'll look that up. Because that's And it's set in the far, far future, several centuries after the planet Earth has been conquered by this interstellar empire. And the aliens are incredibly traditional, incredibly well cultured. And mm. the emperor at the center of their government is the defining character of their culture. So when many, many generations ago they had a, an emperor who was a kleptomaniac, they had to find some way of incorporating this into the culture, and so they created a system called um, professional burglar. It's basically a gentleman burglar kind of thing, where <laughs> the members of this rankings group had to be open and upfront that, yes, they do steal things. And they had to do it with flair and panache, and they had to record themselves with drones while they did it, prove that they had done it. And if they could remain three men and women for 24 hours after the heist, they could keep it. Nice. But they weren't allowed <laughs> to do things like just target money. They had to steal mm. things of particular poetic value. Mm. And if they just happened so to also grab... Basically, you had to act like our time um, So the series is set like a... Two, one or two generations after the Earth manages to, or the human worlds successfully manage to rebel against the Empire, 
So suddenly you have a, um, a post-bellum, fantasy ecla kind of thing going on, like late 19- science fiction version of the late 19th century, which is when the gentleman burglar genre was very popular in France. Mm-hmm. And the main character is one of these gentleman burglars. And by this time, the tradition has evolved into this... It's an actual rated competition on the Imperial Sporting Boards. <laughs> and so the, the 30-some members of the, of the rankings are... Um, they sell the footage for publicity and for, um, to make money on royalties. And they edit it into movies about themselves and do things like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. So the three books are called The Crown Jewels, House of Shards, and Rock of Ages. They're all pretty short and mid-late 90s, I think. I'll have to look them up then. Yep. If you can find copies, really cool. Um, if you can't, oh well, it's the old. <laughs> we'll find them. Yep. There will be a way. Yep. That just reminded me that, like, just to... Just to track this back onto RPGs, that the main okay. character of Persona 5's Persona is Arsene. Yeah. Persona 5 is like everything that the gentleman burglar genre is crossed with crossed with Megaten. And it's probably what's going to make it real. hey, I am fine with this combo. <laughs> Nobody is saying it's everything a bad combo. I've... It is an excellent combo. Yeah. I'm surprised it's taken them this long, considering they've got at least... Four Mega Ten games with a detective noir theme. Mm. Yeah. So. Persona just keeps like pulling out like ra- just themes from just whatever. Like Persona Four is basically JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Four. Uh, there's it's... at least six parts to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure at this point. There's eight actually. Eight. Yeah. I've only read the third one. And that one was weird enough. Yeah. Yeah, part four, like, if you if you ever see part four, you're going to be like, wow, yeah, Persona 4 really was just this, wasn't it? Like, Actually, is, oh, is, part, is it part three or part four that introduces the stands? It's part three. Part three, okay, that's the one I read. Part three is, by all accounts, part three is the most popular and most well-remembered. It's also the one but, that I was able to find in English. Yeah, so. for the longest time, it was the only one in English. And it is definitely very similar to Persona, and it even has the tarot deck Greater Arcana themes. Yeah. Like, after, eventually he runs out of Arcana, tries to switch it to Egyptian gods, runs out of those two, and just starts using rock bands. <laughs> cool. Nice. Or sometimes not even rock bands. One of the last villains of Part 3 is Vanilla Ice. Yeah, that's a good villain. Oh, what they should have done was make the la- the apparent last villain Millie Vanilli, and then reveal that there's somebody else actually doing it behind the scenes. <laughs> Vanilli Vanilli hadn't happened yet at the time, though. So they oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah. It was late '80s. Missed opportunity. Then how are they continuing the series now? Because okay. none of them have the same protagonists. Like, true. One takes so place. Some of them in the are technically 1800s. related to each other. I mean, They're the all related, but like none yeah, of them the are. The protagonist of part two appears in part three as the part three protagonist's grandfather. Yeah, he he's like hella old by part three, and then by part four he's still around, and part four's protagonist is his illegitimate son. <laughs> but yeah, and then like by at, in part seven, like they do a universe reset, and then like part eight is modern times again. It's very very strange. 
it's a bizarre adventure. Well, yeah, but at least it lives up to its name. Oh, yeah, de- definitely. No, I totally recommend those if you ever want to sit down and read some, like, about as good as, like, shonen manga ever really got. In terms uh, that of is action def- manga. It is not a shonen manga series. That is definitely a seinen level manga. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. It ran in shown. It ran in shown magazines for a long time, and then it became seinen. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's def- I mean, if it's shonen at all, then it is really at the upper age limit. Yeah, no. It's it was definitely it was always pushing it, and then by part seven, it just went to a seinen magazine. Yeah, it's like yeah, let's people like it this way. Let's just keep going. Yeah, like it was, it was always really pushing the upper edge. It was like it was shown in the same way that Fist of the North Star managed to be shown in for a while. Meaning that it and managed that to get published and shown in magazine. That's about it. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know it's what like, these words mean. So Shonen just like Shonen is an Shonen. age demographic. It's like young boys. Yeah, Shonen manga is usually aimed at elementary or junior high school. So uh, think Mega Man Battle Network. That is Shonen. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, that's proper Shonen. Then you get to some... Persona is aimed for high school, so it would probably be closer to Seinen. Seinen, mm. um, blue year kanji, um, means like young adult, but more mature kind of. So that's the teen, late teen demographic and early twenty. Yeah, so, it's always a really fuzzy distinction, but yeah, very fuzzy distinction. But um, you can usually tell the difference. Not just with the themes, but also with what kind of graphics they are willing to show, how many people mm-hmm. die, and quite often the kanji that they choose to use. Mm-hmm. So, like Persona Three and Four, I can tell you right now they use high school level kanji quite often. Mm-hmm. Whereas Shonen stuff probably has a, if it has kanji at all, it's going to be a low kanji count. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's like the much ridiculous story. <laughs> yeah, the power of friendship. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, no. One of the games I reviewed earlier this year. Um, yeah, the the final the vil, final bad guy villain thing is the God of Silence, Sheen, which happens to be the Japanese onomatopoeia for silence. Yeah. And so when, when you go into the final level, everything is quiet. I mean, this is a game that lives by its by its background music, because it's all about. I mean, you use the DS microphone to recruit monsters. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so when you go into the final level, the background music cuts out. And then when you get to the castle at the top of this level um, and try to go in, the main character cannot even, I mean, they can't even talk. Voices have, are being suppressed and they can't even summon their monsters. So they have, they're forced to run away out of the castle at which point they meet all these friends, including a few former enemies that they have met throughout the game, all of whom play some sort of instrument, and they've come together to, as a rock band led by your main character to use the power of ro- love and rock and roll to forcibly break the shell of silence around this castle. The infinite proof that I am uh, the, that I am forever twelve is that that sounds perfect to me. <laughs> Honest, honestly, I um, I even mentioned this in the review, and it's part of the reason why I gave the game such a high um, high score for sound is just because it thematically it works so ridiculously well. Like um, that is really good sound design. Yeah, I mean not just 
sound design as in the music itself, but sound design as in how it is affected by the level, how the level, um, how it affects the level, yeah. and it's and everything else, and yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, I would not recommend importing the game unless you happen to have a recorder. Oh. Because of the three ways to get monsters um, from the microphone, first of all is to um, use regular, but like around the house sounds, like you can bang pots together and it will register that as a a certain monster. I'm sure the parents love that. Yeah, or you can clump your shoes on the floor and it will get a different monster that is shaped like a boot. Things like that. And then the second way is you can actually say specific words in Japanese into the microphone once this becomes enabled. You can say that... Mm-hmm. into the microphone, and it will create a monster based on whatever the code word is. It's coded for specific words. But the oh, third way involves playing a recorder, specific tune on the recorder. <laughs> they will give you the notes to follow. <laughs> this is it like a diabolical trick. Oh no, because most, most elementary school kids in this country have recorders. It's part of the elementary school music program. Yeah, no, I had to learn out a recorder in English elementary school, like American elementary school, I should say. So. And not as common in America anymore because of budget cuts, but in Japan it's institutional. Mm. Um, Where here it's slowly died out, it's just kept on keeping on there. Because they kept slashing the budgets every time there was a fiscal crisis and then they never brought the budgets back up. And Whoops. everybody learned to cope. Oops. Until the next financial crisis and then they cut them down again. And Pull now yourself you up by... So now everyone is learning to play the kazoo. Yeah. Listen, I, I am a master of the kazoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any last we have any more questions? Japan before I need to leave for work. Uh, I have a question for you. Sure. What happens? Okay. Uh, so... I've been playing a lot more platformers since the last Ratchet, since the new Ratchet and Clank came out. So I'm just wondering if there's maybe one or two examples of like Japanese-only platformers you may have played that might be well, interesting um, to look up. I'm thinking of some of the games that I saw at the Ride on Japan booth at the last TGS, but I think a lot of those are actually getting ported if they haven't already. Really. Yeah. Anything in particular? Oh, I'm trying to remember the titles. One of them was about this witch who manages the border between the magic world and the real world, and she has to go and, like, this one country in the real world has stolen, like, a resource from demons to make weapons, and so she has to go and hunt down the, the eight research scientists who are creating weapons out of the stuff. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it, um, there are two games in the series, and they're uh, reasonably okay Mega Man clones. Oh. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, 2015. TGS. 2015, there we are. Yeah, but a lot of the good ones I've seen lately have actually been imports from America, like Shantae. Oh, yeah. Oh, it wasn't right on Japan. It was Fly High Works. Fly High Works. Okay. They're the ones that they're the ones that made um, uh, Fairune, mm. which was not very good, but it was cute. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah Shantae is good. I mean, uh, we're, way forward always does good work. Yeah. Oh, I used to have the original. Oh, oh man. man. That yeah. is worth you a bit. not believe how much it sold for on YouTube um, on uh, eBay three years ago. Probably goes through yeah. now. <laughs> well, I, I researched the prices and saw that the sa- um, over the course of several months saw that the same guy was charging the same price over and over again. So I wasn't sure if um, he was actually selling it because uh, I noticed it was the guy over and over again charging three hundred fifty dollars. So I I just started I started a an auction for it, had pictures of it with the box and everything. And uh, started an auction and put a buy it now price of two hundred dollars. Um, <laughs> care to guess how long it took to sell? Not very long. Ten minutes. <laughs> um, Timestamp said sixteen minutes thirty five seconds. Wow. Between the top, between the notification email that I had posted it and the notification email that somebody had bought it. <laughs> I'm like wow. <laughs> oh, that was fast. And here I thought that that wouldn't sell out fast at that price. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised too. Um, but considering I paid like $10 for it in the bargain bin of old Babbage's at the mall back home in 1999, I think. Um, I mean, e- even with, even with like $5 of shipping and handling, that was, ooh, woo. I'm not sure exactly what percentage markup that would uh, markup that would be for um, price, but it's like a couple thousand percent. Um, I'm not complaining. No. <laughs> it worked out pretty well. Quite well, yes. Is the Legend of Dark Witch one of the games from that series? Might have been, yeah. Okay, I was trying to look look it up, and it's Mega Man style platformer. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Fly High works. The for some reason the link in our features list for TGS links to the wrong thing. Oh. Um, yeah. Witchy girl. Yeah. Majin Shoujo. Legend of Dark Witch. Price of Desire. That was the one I played. Okay. It was cute. The, uh, the the head game designer, he was a really cool dude. And he's like, I even asked him what games he liked. He was like, Mega Man and Toho. I'm like, <laughs> that is really obvious. <laughs> Who'd have thought? That is really obvious. Well, one of, these, one of these is definitely out on Steam, and I think it's also out on in the West. So I'm going to have to give that a try. Looks neat enough. Anything else come to mind? Maybe something older. Um, I don't do a lot of platformers. Um, All right. And what I do is generally older in the sense that it was published twenty years ago. Um, <laughs> mm, honestly, a lot of the bigger action games have been from America these days. Yeah. Yeah. Japan, I mean, gets, Japan gets some awesome uh, Ratchet and Clank box art. Kind of jealous. Yeah. Well, go play the go play the Gegege no Kitaro game made in the Ario Saro engine. 
Uh, which console? That's a GBA one. It's made in the Castlevania area of Star oh. Engine. Hadn't heard of that one. I meant to play the PlayStation 2 one sometime, but I never got it. Yeah. I've always liked the uh, Kitaro. Kind of sad that it's had basically no, no translation effort efforts. I don't know what that is. Gay Gay Game of Kitaro is a... Depending on which generation you get it in, it is either a horror manga or a silly horror manga or a Japanese sort of superhero manga um, <laughs> that is based around yokai. Yeah, like uh, a lot of I, I, a lot of I, things I like yokai watch can kind of trace their existence. And it is creepy as hell in that room. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Using the Ari of Sorrow engine, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, I played bits of it. It's pretty good. Yep. But yeah, um, most of the action stuff I've played recently from this side of the world has been either action RPG or Muso. Uh, lots of Muso lately. Lots of Muso. That's yeah. the current thing for action. Um, yeah, if you want actual platformer type stuff, you're probably going to end up with downloadable stuff on 3DS or Vita. Yeah, that's where most of it is in general these days. Lots of indie stuff. That, that's the main market for it now. Yeah. It's like saying if you want to play really good shooter, um, like top-down shooters from Japan, you're going to have to go Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that was about the uh, only thing I've that Xbox had over PlayStation. Such a, it's, it's so weird that all of them ended up on Xbox, and they're still coming out on Xbox. <laughs> partly because Microsoft was funding some of these development studios at the beginning. Ah. Mm. That's one reason mm. why Experience always puts its new games out first on, or was so often putting them out first on Xbox. Mm. Is that like a recent Raiden game that just came out on Xbox One? If there is, I'm not surprised. Yeah, Raiden 5. <laughs> I just picked that up. I really like the Raiden games. <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think I think that about wraps things up. Um, We've gone many places tonight. Yeah, I'm sure we're gonna have the next time we have you on, we're gonna have a lot more romancing saga two to talk about. <laughs> have fun. Don't be afraid to die because the game will kill you a lot. Yeah, I I really need to get like an iOS controller because I got the software to like stream it onto my computer screen. Uh, so if I can get a controller too, then I'll be all set. And Again, from what I've heard, it works relatively well with BlueStacks and certain controller types. I'm not sure exactly which ones, and it often works better on BlueStacks than on some of the older iOS platforms. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I've got the. I've got the newest iPhone, so... Then you probably will not have any problems. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Just again, be reminded, um, there, one of the lines I put in my review for the Fami Super Famicom version was um, that the developers seem to have taken the relatively light penalty for failure to be a carte blanche excuse to hand you full party wipeouts as often as possible in the middle of the game. <laughs> fine, everything's fine. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, and there are actual benefits to recycle um, to cycling through emperors pretty quickly. Interesting. Yeah. 
especially since if you change it to a new character class, your Emperor to a new character class, he or she automatically comes with all of the base skill levels of that class on top of whatever was on it before. Uh. So if the previous Emperor has zero, zero levels in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and you change, or you make next Emperor a brawler, you automatically get whatever level of um, martial arts he would have. Nice. Yeah. Plus, um, free, free tip, there is a very good counterattack in that game, Jolt Counter, where um, it's the, equ the equation in the game for learning it is tied to the Emperor's average skill level. Uh-huh. So it needs an average skill level of 10 across five different types, which means that in order for your basic brawler to get this ability, he has to be like level 50, or else it's not really likely. Hmm. But an imp a brawler as an emperor early on is more than likely going to have more than 10 levels in every single martial art or weapon skill area, which means he, he can learn it really easily. Hmm. Take advantage. Yeah. Duly noted. Yeah. And also, as soon as you can, as soon as they start talking about Magic Research Lab, get it. Start funding stuff as soon as it becomes available. Yeah. Magic Research Lab, alright. Yeah. For which you need to get your Emperor up to about 25 JP magic points before that sort of possibility. Alright. Okay, well, I know. Sounds like you guys need to get some sleep. What time is it? Oh, uh, uh, 1.18 for me. Yeah, it's like 1. Okay, well, it's about 2.18 over here, and I need to get to work. So. All right. Been nice talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you for joining Always us fun. again. Uh, and we'll mm -hmm. have to do it again sometime soon. Mm -hmm. After all the E3 Better. craziness. Oh, yeah. Yes, which uh, this is actually going to go up after E3, so it's a good thing we didn't go into any E3 predictions. I would not know what to predict anyway. Yeah, well then people would have I'm, laughed I'm at still, our horrible video game to already announced a Toho game. <laughs> oh yeah, that did happen. Scarlet Curiosity, in fact. I mean, I mean it's happen? a miracle that the Play Dojin series even exists. <laughs> and they're bringing it to America. If they brought one, they might bring the other three RPGs in the series. <laughs> So, keep that keep that in mind. Yeah. All right. That'd be fun. All right, sir. Will you get yourself to work? Will do. Yeah. Okay. Gonna end the show, and we'll see you next time, folks. See you. Bye bye. Bye. bye.